Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the On The Box podcast, the television show podcast on the Anfield Index podcast channel. I always struggle with that intro. And once again this week, we've kind of ditched all other television shows because Game of Thrones is on. So it's season seven, episode four, The Spoils of War. It's an absolute belter of an episode from them. And to join me on this fourth edition of the Game of Thrones On The Box podcast, I have a regular to the show, my partner in crime, for On The Box, um, well, all the TV shows he likes anyway, it's the host of the AI Legends podcast, co-host of NBA Holds, a warm welcome back to Joey Connors. Hey Joey, how are you doing? Namaste Tandon. <laughs> namaste Tandon. <laughs> yes, namaste Joey, thank you. And a debut on this show for another AI old timer, it's the host of the AI Movie Night podcast, it's everyone's friend, Mr. Joe Simpson. Hey Joe. How are you? Hi, mate. I'm great. Uh, thanks for that lovely introduction. I'm just uh, I feel so lucky to be able to talk about this show and, in particular, this episode. So, thanks so much for having me on. Absolutely, uh, don't need to thank me at all, mate. It's a pleasure. Uh, so, we got two Joes on, but to keep it simple, it's Joey Connors and Joe Simpson. So, Joey and Joe. That's how I'm going to refer to you. you. You're lucky it's not the devil and Darth <laughs> like I've just done upon him a few minutes ago. But, anyways, this episode, fucking hell, wow. Without going into too much detail, because we're going to cover it in a second, and I reckon this pod might take longer than the normal hour, just because it was so good. I hope not, mm-hmm. uh, for the listeners' sake. But what was your reaction as this episode finished joe you first yeah i mean just just breathless at the end of it 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 was just like i'd been on a roller coaster or something and it's interesting to me obviously there's been a lot of debates throughout every season of game of thrones but in particular this season about you know the, the proportion of sort of action scenes to sort of more character building and interacting scenes between characters and maybe more of the subtle scenes. And I think this episode showed the true wave and the balance they've got is perfect because it's because 
of those character scenes and getting to know those characters so well and, you know, getting to really like and care for these characters and understand them. That means when it finally does build to a crescendo like it did in this one with an absolute stunning action scene at the end, it, it has so much more weight. You know, I'm like anybody else. I love a good action scene, but an action scene without... All that, all that sort of character building and sort of knowledge and, and love we have for these characters wouldn't have anywhere near as much power. And because it does have that power, I don't know what you guys were like, but when I'm watching those scenes, it, it really feels like it matters who lives and who dies because even on both sides of that battle, I care for the characters. You know, I care for Bronn, for example. I care for Daenerys. I even care for dragons you know what i mean it, it, it it's so such a rich story and it's done so well that it pulls you right in and when there is a scene so breathtaking as that you know I, i'm not sure how much better tv gets really i don't know how better joey can describe that because that was pretty spot yeah. joey i mean <laughs> there was excitement there was n- nerves edge of the seat stuff what else was, I mean, it, it was some of the best television. We say this, I say this all the time, but that, that last 15, 20 minutes was some of the best TV you'll see in terms of build characters on the sharing screen for the first time. Oh, just so good. Yeah, that is what great writing does to people. That is exactly the prime example. I watched that episode, was completely blown away. Not, I've never seen a kind of action scene like that. I've never sat in front that I can remember. I've had my palms sweaty, my head sweaty. I literally felt like I just got out of a fist fight. That was the adrenaline that was flowing through me. Um, like Joe said, all those characters you feel for, even the dragons, you have such an attachment to this show that I've never had with another show before. And again, I go back to that is it, the writing is so, so good on it. It's, it's just phenomenal. Yep, and you know what? That's the beauty that that there's too many shades of grey in this. There's there's you don't know who the good and the bad is anymore. I feel, but you know what? That's the conversation for right at the end of this show. So mm-hmm. you know, what? if you thought that we were going to give away that that little discussion right now, no, <laughs> you're going to wait for the rest of the, the hour till we get to it. This episode kicked off, thank you for that by the way guys, with a victorious Jamie Lannister stopping the wagon full of gold to get out a bag for Brandon. Big a little bit about Jamie's promise. You know, this is this is the beauty of these their relationship, you know. It's quite funny how Bron was mates with his brother first, and now he's mates with him. You know, <laughs> I love how that it's so different as well. Like Jamie's probably a dirtier than Tyrion, to be honest, because he's doing his sister, whereas he was doing hoes. But they, they, I don't know. I just felt a better friendship between Tyrion. But it's just, it's just funny how they're together. And he's always just such, such a greedy bastard, isn't he, Bron? Funny, but greedy <laughs> bastard. And, <laughs> and I think the, the key of this scene, and I don't know if you both got it from this, is that they were basically gathering food and the harvest and the grain and um one of the things that i have and i don't know how this fits into this part but i think it's good the timeline stuff maybe we can come back to it actually once we get to theon because i just think there's a lot of issues of timelines in season seven but i think Mm -hmm. it's probably a discussion for later but did you what do you guys think of the, the 
the rapport between Jamie and uh, and, and Bron. Um, Joey, you first. Uh, it was great to see Bron back on screen. He's a great character on the TV show. He's awesome character in the book. He's actually still alive in the book, which is really cool. Um, but their chemistry is is really good. I, Jamie Lannister has done a 180 for me. I mean, he was such a hated character, and now I, I you know, I have strong feelings for him. I, I don't want to see the guy die. I, I think he's. I know it's disgusting that he sleeps with his sister. Of course it is, but deep down inside, I think he means well. Um, but him and Bron on screen were just, it's just hysterical. It's magic. The scene where the guy's name is Dickon is fucking hysterical. I'm watching the show with my wife and I'm just cracking up. It's so funny. But yeah, I mean, this, I, the one part that gags you and I talked about it beforehand is Tarly says to them, and I listened back to it. That they did get the gold through. That was my big mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Was I, I wasn't sure at first. I'm like, yeah. did he say he that did. or did he, he did. not? The gold's he gone. Did 100%. The gold's gone. Yeah, so but- it's all about the food now because remember, and we're gonna we're switching a bit forward and back. But Joey, she says clearly says he's got all the food. We've got no food. She's got all the food for the for her armies, and we've got yes. none. Sansa okay. says it. Yeah. No, no, so Sansa says it, but so does, um, Daenerys when she's, when she's yeah. in that huff yeah, yeah. and she's, she's charging away from Tyrion. She's like, I've got mm-hmm. no one left. I've got nothing. I mean, we're jumping a bit up and down here through the episode, but it doesn't matter. Let's have the discussion now. She is fucking pissed. Absolutely pissed at that point. So, I mean, Joe, we, we're there. We might as well talk about it. So we're jumping, but John, she goes to John for advice at that point. And she says, what, you know, what, what do you think I should do? She is absolutely lambasted Tyrion. Tyrion in the last two episodes has been buried, by the way. Absolutely yeah. buried because he's Horrible not, decisions. Horrible yeah, decisions. Horrible decisions. And his lines to her, and I'll quote them. The people that follow you know that you made something impossible happen. Maybe that helps them believe that you can make other impossible things happen. Build a world that's different from the shit one that they've always known. But if you use them to melt castles and burn cities, you're not different. You're more of the same. And a lot of people said, oh, she totally ignored John. No, she didn't. She didn't at all. No, she she followed his advice. But what she did do, she just went and burnt people. (laughs) (laughs) So my question to you is, is Daenerys the good person in this show or is she the villain? Because there's signs of a mad queen, especially when she's on her dragon, Joe. Yeah, I think um, I think it's I think what she showed was good leadership. You know, John isn't currently an ally. He's a potential ally. So sort of they've, they've built some relationship, but. He's not fully on board with it. That's why Davos and John, both of them tried to avoid giving her advice. But I like the fact that she recognized, you know, he's a proven, he's a proven leader and he's, he's won battles and obviously he's been very successful at what he does. So I like the fact that she, she, she had the wherewithal and the humility in that instance to ask for his advice. And like you say, she did take it on board. Now, I think. But what's important is, yes, she did use a Dothraki horde and dragon, a dragon to win, win a, a major battle. And obviously there was the destruction was, you know, um, you know, 
you know, arguably unprecedented, certainly in a battle scene in the show. Obviously, there's been other destructive acts like Cersei's, but in terms of a battle, it, you know, a land battle anyway, there's been nothing like that before, you know, seeing the dragon unleashed. And I think that's just the reality of war, particularly in, in this show, you know. She's got to have a certain level of ruthlessness. Um, I think Elena told her to, she had to unleash the dragon. And I think there was a danger at that point. You're thinking, well, will she follow Elena's instructions completely and go to King's Landing and, you know, just wreak carnage on the city with, you know, buildings burning and, you know, thousands and thousands of innocents dying. But actually what she did do was a more measured approach, yes. She did use use her assets in a ruthless way, but it wasn't on the city. It was on combatants in the field of war. And I think that's, you, you need a certain level of, of aggression to win a war, and I think she probably hit the right note there. Really, the, 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 the saying is famous: "All's fair in love and war," right? So, Joey, mm-hmm. yeah. would you agree with that? She she's gone for it. She's not gone for the you know the red keep or or castles, but what she's gone for is an army. Yeah, I do agree with it. She she stayed true to what she how she really was. She didn't want to kill a bunch of innocent people. I think everybody here knows that if she straps those dragons on and goes flying and takes that army, she can wipe out that whole entire country because mm-hmm. they don't have the capability to stop them dragons. You saw what happened. We'll get to that. But, yeah, she. if you sign up for war, if you're part of an army, you're fair game. That's the way it is. She wiped out a whole Lannister army, and she was right in doing it. She got beat twice by Cersei from listening to Tyrion's bad advice. And it's good on paper, but Cersei's smarter than that, and she knew that. So what Tyrion? She questions him. Tyrion, she goes, "You don't want to hurt your family," and you know we're going to come back to Tyrion right at the end of this show because yeah. it's a brilliant. The scene that that whole needs its own section is in terms of when we go through it step by step. It needs mm-hmm. its own section because it was that fucking good. But Joey, shades of grey though. You you think she's going to become the villain of the show or not? I don't think she's going to become the she's villain. Not going to become show. the Mad Queen then. No, but because if I, I just don't think that because what happened to her dad is different than what happened to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you read the books, you'd understand that. I just don't think that she's going to become that because I think there's a goodness inside of her. Remember when she was first coming up before she had all these armies and these dragons, she was a good person. You know, she this was somebody who was married off by her brother, who was a piece of shit. He was the bad person. <laughs> he was. He was, he was evil, the bad person. Evil. Not her. Yeah, he was incredibly evil. She's just standing up for what she thinks is right. Now, do I think she switches a little bit? I think she does, but I think it's for the good. I think she has it twisted in her mind a little bit. She's not thinking, and John's trying to lead her on, a, on the correct path. You, she keeps saying, I'm the rightful leader of this, but it's not about that. It's about saving you all from the White Walkers who will destroy every one of you, including your dragons. So he needs to get her on the right path. And then I think she'll fall in the line as being the perfect good person. What what you just said there is key, listening. And uh, the next episode is going to be all about her listening to people. So I've seen the trailer for the next one, so keep an eye on that. But you know what? Let's move away from the, the battle because there's so much more going on in this episode. And we're gonna, we could probably spend an hour talking about the battle. But quickly, moving on. Um, something I want to ask you again, Joey. Sorry, Joe, uh, because you've read the books. Uh, Joe, have you read the books as well? 
Yeah. Okay, let's come to you then, Joe. Do you know anything about the Golden Company in Essos? Because there's a bit of a, you know, there was a mention of it about Cersei and the Iron Bank. They mentioned this Golden Company in Essos that's kind of like an army or something. Do you know anything about them? Yeah, oh, I, I, th- I think Joey, Joey will know better than me because remember he's not great with these type of things. But essentially, from what I, I remember, the they're like an elite band of sellswords yep. who who regard their their cut weird as being a contract that they don't break, and that most of them are exiles from I think from Westeros. Targaryens apparently as well. Well, the main uh, one, the one who started it. And uh, as well as that, um, Jorah was one as well. Uh, that was what Jorah was before he, he ended up uh, working for Daenerys. And obviously he was exiled from, from Westeros by uh, Ned Stark. So they, they are serious, serious. It Basically, from what I know from the show and the books, the Iron Bank are like as shrewd as it gets. Mm-hmm. And they're the people they go to to solve their problems. So I think that, that gives you an idea of, of just how elite and how respected in that world they are. Joey, your thoughts? Yeah, their founder was Agar, who was Bittersteel in the books, which Joe probably knows. Um, Agar Rivers from A Golden Crown, he was mentioned in. He used to be at King's Landing. But, you know, they are, basically what Joe said, there are cutthroats, there are sellswords, there's about 10,000. They're essentially 10,000 assassins, is what you can think of them as. And they're incredibly dangerous. Um, I can't remember their war cry. I think it's beneath the gold, the bitter steel, I think is, is in yeah. the books, which is pretty cool. But yeah, basically what Joe said is they're very dangerous, um, hitmen or, or assassins as you would. And they're, they're at, at the time of the war, of the five Kings, they're basically the largest private army, elite private army in the, in the whole of Westeros and free cities. So interesting times ahead. I'm glad you guys gave, you know, the listener who hasn't listened, who hasn't read the books like myself and has to go and research this stuff, um, a little bit of an insight onto what's to come because they won't mention them unless something's going to come. That's for sure. Yep. So next, Littlefinger, because you know what? The discussion of Littlefinger is, it turns up we're going to just concentrate on the Stark family for this portion of the show because a lot happened in this episode with the Starks as well. A bit of a reunion. Very nice to see at times. But um, what, what, what did happen? Let's just quickly go through it. Uh, Littlefinger, the first scene is him handing over a dagger to Bran. And um, the most interesting part of it all was when Bran stops Littlefinger in his tracks by quoting him with the words, chaos is a ladder. Uh, the look on Littlefinger's face here, acting-wise, brilliant. Totally changes because he's in mid-sentence and he just he knows exactly what's happened, what Bran's talking about, and it makes him think. And the quote was from season uh, three, episode six, The Climb, where Varys and Littlefinger have a discussion and Baelish finishes with this. Chaos isn't a pit, chaos is a ladder. Many who try to climb it fail and never get to try again. The fall breaks them, and some are given a chance to climb. They refuse. They cling to the realm or the gods or love illusions. Only the ladder is real. The climb is all there is. Joey, I know you, you spoke to me earlier about this. That dagger, tell us about it. Uh, so my it's a Valerian steel dagger. Um, first of all, I just want to say the look on Littlefinger's face when Bran, well, I guess he's a third-eyed raven, so I'll just call him a third-eyed raven now. Yes, let's do that. <laughs> he knows. He knows all. And, and he knows now, and this is this is my opinion from reading the books, 
and from just intuition, which I'm sure a lot of people picked on, picked up on, he knows that it was Littlefinger who tried to kill him. And it, the look on his on Littlefinger's face when he repeats his own saying back to him goes, my God, that was a private conversation with Varys. How could you possibly know that? And it just, that scene was awesome. And that steel, that's, that dagger he gave him, in my opinion, was from the person he hired to kill Bran. Because remember, Littlefinger's always for himself. You even you, He's always been for himself. He only does things for the benefit of himself, and he just wants to have everybody kill everybody off. But, you know, Bran knows that he sided with the Lannisters at one point. He knows all that stuff now. And now he's probably bricking it because he can't get out of it now. And now the, all the power that Littlefinger had has just vanished, which is awesome because I can't stand him. Yeah, Joe, he is a slimy bastard. Like, there's scenes in this episode where he's not even said anything and he's looking slimy. I mean, we're going to go to Arya next, but that scene after Brienne, the way he looks at her, looks down, it's like he's thinking something up immediately, you know? Or when he sees the three of the Starks together, he's just thinking something all the time, isn't he? He's conniving little shit. Yeah, he's uh, he's always thinking of the angles and he always thinks he's the cleverest guy in the room. And I think what was really good is that Bran um, took him unawares. He, he did quite a clever thing. He asked him if he knew whose knife it was. Well, he said it was Littlefinger had previously said to Ned Stark that it was Tyrion's knife. And in this, he actually said, no, I don't know whose knife it was. And Bran will know, obviously Bran will know his whole story, but I think it was nice the way he got him to, to lie in front of him. And then once he'd done that and Littlefinger thinks that, like usual, oh, I've told the lie and I've just got away with it, Bran, or the Free-Eyed Raven as he now is, um, sort of completely took him unawares by showing exactly how much he knows. And it's it, the ironic thing for me is that Littlefinger gave a speech to Sansa in an earlier episode, talking about, you know, be everywhere at once, you know, everyone's your friend, everyone's your foe, you're always thinking about every possibility. And the ironic thing is, the only person capable of that is actually Bran as the free-eyed raven. That's impossible for a new, normal human. So as, as, as intelligent as Littlefinger is, his sort of manipulating and scheming can only really work at that level if everybody is the same as him without special powers. But he's now seeing he's in a world where there's free-eyed ravens. You can see everything that's happening in every location at every time and things like that. And there's girls who can have the skills of a faceless man like Arya. And I think Littlefinger now, for once, is truly on the back foot. He's still going to try and use it wherever he can. You know, he tried to manipulate against John with Bran. He's still going to try his best, but I think he's realising for once he's actually out of his depth with some of these characters there, and and it's going to be so fascinating to see how he tries to how he tries to get out of that or how he tries to use that to his advantage if there's any way. Yeah, there's an interesting discussion here um, about what you just mentioned, but it was really nice to see Sansa and um, Arya get together. But just before that, how thick Joey were those guards? 
Like, just telling <laughs> yeah. her basically everything that she wanted to know. Yeah. <laughs> so dumb. So, it was so dumb. It was a, it was it was a funny. funny scene. Though. It was and great. When, when he tells her to sit down, and then she just disappears. Because Sansa doesn't know. When, when they first meet, it's hysterical. Remember, she brings up, she's like, what list are you talking about? Like, we know because we watched the show. Like, her sister's turned into this, this badass assassin. She still thinks she's little Arya. She from, laughs at her. She laughs at yes. her list. She thinks he's joking. <laughs> She's not, though. It's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's just... hysterical. So that makes the other scene even more important. So then she takes it to Bran, and Bran says, you know, you can have this dagger, because it doesn't matter. And he's really, like, wooden again. You know, he's like yeah. he's like cyborg. He part, but he, that, that's how that part is in the books, too. Yeah, it's Joel, It's the same way. He's, he's great, though, yeah. isn't he? He's acting it perfectly, I think. He's doing a great job. I... Th- I think you've been a little harsh on him, and in the last episode as well, Gags, which was great, by the way, but I think you've been a little harsh on Bran. I don't know whether yourself and Joey would agree. Bran, to me, is kind of like, uh, like she said, he died in that cave. He's now kind of like Dr. Manhattan. He's he's become yep. a god, and he can't relate to anyone in the same way anymore. He can't have them same feelings anymore because... He's sort of outside of normal life now. And I think it's understandable that, particularly while he's learning these things at such a rapid pace, but obviously because things went wrong with obviously the White Walkers attacking and that, he was meant to have more time to learn all this. And I think it's understandable. Although obviously he looks really callous and cold, it's almost impossible to deal with what he's dealing with and still retain that same level of empathy with the other characters. And I think it's such a interesting dynamic because obviously there's still parts of him that care you know he cared enough to at least say thank you when prompted but clearly as he says himself he's not Bran anymore and it's so fascinating seeing how how he will interact with these people who who he used to love I'm sure he still has some feelings but clearly they'll never be the same or at least they won't be the same for for the foreseeable future no very interesting point I think Bran now in a wheelchair, by the way, everybody. So that's really cool. <laughs> Finally, he's got a wheelchair. Six, six, took, only took six, six and a half seasons or so to get there. But, you know, he states, he, he states repeatedly that he's not Lord Stark. You know, that's one thing. He, he is absolutely nailed on. I am the Raven now, right? He's called to Mira. She, I mean, like you said, he does say thank you because he, she expects it. But for me, she wanted affection. She wanted appreciation. She wanted words uh, to the effect of Bran asking her to stay. But none of them were forthcoming because that's not him anymore. And like you said, mm-hmm. Joe, he says it. I'm not Bran. I remember being Bran. But now I remember so much more. That was the key. I remember mm-hmm. everything. Everybody's life is there. And the parting shot of obviously was that, you know, you died in the cave, which, you know, the, when they were attacked by the Night King of Walkers, ultimately, she's totally right. But yeah, and Joe's Joe's yeah, shout of Doctor Manhattan is absolutely perfect because that's exactly what he's like. Yeah, he's a god now. He is the yeah. most powerful person in this show. Why? Because he can tie things together for everybody, everybody, and people can switch sides just with a with his knowledge. He can out mm-hmm. people as well. If people don't believe mm-hmm. him, he can just out them. In a that's second. what he did to Littlefinger. That's yeah. exactly what mm-hmm. he did exactly. to Littlefinger. So it, he's got the power. He has got the real power. Now, the other interesting thing is Sansa, when she's with them, she's like, so who's on this list? And um, so then comes the scene. And I'm going to come back to Sansa because there's a really interesting discussion there. But the next scene is Arya 
who's now dressed like a Stark or, you know, properly dressed up with her sword, with a dagger, and she, um, you know, Podrick and Brienne are, uh, you know, she's teaching him. I mean, this, Joey, this scene, I was punching the air in this scene. I don't know why. I was so invested in this. I love both the characters, by the way, but... Brienne was just like like Sansa, not taking it seriously at all to start with. Yeah, but well, remember she said to her, like she, she basically stopped her and Podrick sparring mid fight, and she's like, no. I, when she when she was offered to train by somebody else, she said, I want the person who beat the Hound, and then she basically proceeded to just dominate her in a sparring match, which was just awesome. And with Brienne, one hand behind her back, one hand behind her back, but. The one thing that I thought was really interesting is that she's such a skilled fighter. Do you remember when Brienne knocked Needle out of her hand? She took that Valerian blade out of her right hand, switched it to her oh, left, brilliant. and put it right near her throat. That is so hard to do in hand-to-hand combat, and she did it seamlessly and would have put that dagger right in her throat. And that is somebody who, again, beat the Hound, one of the toughest people in the whole land and she just did it easy with a smile on her face and then the best part is when she goes who taught you that and she said nobody <laughs> which is pretty right because he had he was nobody but no one yeah no one. no one but you know what i thought interesting at this i'll come to you joey as well as uh, joe as well but i just thought you know she looked like a warrior you know it yeah. was so impressive the bit where she just hands the dagger over to show her the way she plays with it and twists and turns it in her hand, it immediately you think, that's skill. And then oh, when yeah. she floors her, when Brienne flo- floors her, and she does the kick up with the facial expression, because she gets serious at that point, and the stance off the floor, it's spectacular. Well, that's, that's the, that's the water dancing. Remember she was yeah. taught the water dancing? Yeah. It was <laughs> that's that part of it. Beautiful. Absolutely yeah. love this. So excited to see her skills against one of the best out there, right? And, you know, and... and I'm going to come to you with this question, Joe, instead, because I think Joey's covered it perfectly. Sansa mm-hmm. walked off really unimpressed whilst Littlefinger, you know, kind of bowed to Arya, you know, the slimy fucking shit. <laughs> you know, he's thinking, I hate him the best. I really, you know, he's one that I hope she puts on the list. But <laughs> I, when, when Bran tells her, when Bran tells her, hopefully Bran tells her that he killed, he tried to kill me, he killed, basically killed her dad. But um, the, the question really for you is this, Sansa now, watches that and walks away going, what kind of a fucking reunion is this? She still doesn't know that she can do other things yet. She has two siblings. No, she has three kind of, well, she doesn't know John's not her brother, but three siblings that are all kind of fucking weird. One died and came back. One's turned into a fucking young assassin. And the other one's the raven. What the fuck is going on with Sansa (laughs) right now in her head? (laughs) That's got to be weird, man. Yeah, I think, uh, obviously, as you say, she's got so much to take in. You know, she's having these reunions, but they're all, to some extent, strangers, or at least, you know, there's been a lot of sort of, they've grown apart, they've had such vastly different experiences, often bad experiences. And, you know, the last time she knew most of these people, they were all kids, or even John was, you know, a teenager, and it's like, they're all back together now and obviously 
there's there's the danger that Sansa could go down the little finger route, but I was glad she showed again that she's got his number when when she saw Bran had the, the knife, the dagger, she was like, Littlefinger only gives you something if he thinks he can get something back. So she's still got that. And I cling to the fact that I can't remember when she used it in a recent episode, but she used the, her father's line of, you know, in the winter, the lone wolf dies, but the pack survive when they're together. And I hope that she will be wise enough to, 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 to side with her family because if you look at it, you know, that they've got great strength. You've got John, who's this great warrior, a great leader. You've got obviously Arya, who, who is now also a great warrior with, with, with fighting gifts that, as you say, if she, if she can humble Brienne, you know, like that, you know, she, she's one of the, you know, one of the greatest warriors there is. And then you've got Bran with obviously the, you know, his powers over time and space and his, his great knowledge. And obviously I think, Sansa as well as learned a lot. I think there's a lot of wisdom there. She, you know, obviously it's been learned the worst possible way, but she has learned from the likes of Cersei and Ramsay and people like that. And I think, um, sort of, if you if you put all them together and they do unite, there's a hell of a lot of strength in that family. And they've also, at their heart, got what they learned from their father, who obviously was a very as well as being strong and tough and a warrior, had a lot, his heart was in the right place and he had a lot of compassion. And I think if you bring all that together, I hope that will lead, lead them to, to side together and sort of unite to, to defeat the, the greater foes outside. At least that's what I hope anyway. Yeah, I think the, I think the point of, um, no return or kind of divide will come when they kind of find out the truth about John. Because they'll be mm-hmm. so conflicted that he's half Stark yeah. and half Targaryen. Mm-hmm. I think that's the personally one of the, the big things from Sansa is going to be that if Sansa turns, that's when Littlefinger gets to her. You know, that's mm-hmm. I reckon that's when it happens. But I totally agree. If they're if they're together, they're strong. I think she's gonna she won the respect of Brienne in that scene because mm-hmm. they yeah. both smiled at each other. Because she was also sword coming down to her, uh, so it's kind of like a draw in the end. But. For that to happen, even if it's a draw, to ha- for that to happen is unbelievable. So, Brienne had to start fighting a little bit dirty when she kicked. That's how good yeah. she was. Yeah. You know, San- uh, Arya weren't doing anything like that she, uh, at that point anyway. Played her as a fool. She didn't think she could fight. Took it yeah, easy yeah. And she ended up having to go overly rough. You saw the look from Pod as if to- where he was shocked that she kicked her over. And it showed you how much of a struggle she was having matching her, that she had to resort to that. And I love the fact that at the end, that they both had each other's respect. And, that, you know, it was nice to see, wasn't it? It was lovely. And I think that's what's going to happen. And when once John's back and they have to fight and they've got to go to war, she's going to have to get John's respect as well somewhere. It'll be interesting to see if they spar off as well, which will be fun. But, Joey, <laughs> anything else from um, the Starks before we go on to Davos? No, not really. I think we covered that pretty well. Um, I, I actually, I just real quick. I don't, I don't, I can't stand Sansa. Um, she just annoys me to no end. Yeah, I uh, hope she ends up on her list. <laughs> I, yeah, I really hope she ends up on her on her sister's list. I just, I just don't like her, and I have this weird feeling, and I don't know how because I, I love. See, I love their house. They're my favorite house, the Starks. But Sansa is just reminding me more of more of Cersei, and I don't like that. Yeah. 
That's what I'm thinking. Somehow Cersei dies soon and Sansa takes that mantle of being the, the idiot, uh, well, the, 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 the very Cut clever, shot. yeah, the cutthroat queen type thing. And yes. she's going to dispossess um, John, and that's where the war turns around. But it, yeah, it would be very interesting. Uh, let's see what happens. But great points there, guys. Really enjoyed that. The Stark's so interesting right now. So good to see him back together. Just need John there. We can get a family photo next week. Anyway, <laughs> right. So <laughs> what, I, what I have been, a bit of comedy from Davos. I really like Davos uh, being paired up with John. He cracks me up for, you know, just little things like he's, he, he, he's a bit creepy as well at times, like old creepy man. You know, he, he says, well, I've seen how you look at, the, um, you know, at um, Daenerys, you know, her heart, good heart. <laughs> I mean, I've seen you staring at her heart. And then he says to Miss, um, oh, God, I can never say her name. Miss Ande. <laughs> Miss Sunday, yeah. Miss Sunday. He says to her, you know, oh, the, the, he, talking of nice hearts, you know, <laughs> just <laughs> pure hearts or whatever. And you know what he's getting at, but it's just... It's, it's just like your so, drunk uncle. <laughs> yeah, it's just so funny. And then when she's given this big spiel about how amazing Daenerys is, he goes, would you mind if I switch sides? You know, he's just, <laughs> he's gone from being that that negative guy that's always scared for his king to now... Um, a positive influence to John and a, a, a better role model. You know, like you know, he's good, isn't he? He is. He's yeah. always been good throughout the six, seven seasons. No grey in him. He's always stand, stood for what's right, and uh, and now he's kind of right on the right side. I don't know. Maybe he's not a, a a character I should be focusing on that much, Joey. But I really like him at the moment. No, he's awesome. And uh, everything you said, I totally agree with. But the biggest thing I took from their conversation with Masande is I think that conversation is finally when Jon Snow bought into Daenerys as a leader, as a queen, as a rightful person who could who could rule this land. Because remember what he says to her. He said, your queen would let you sail back. And she said she would give me a ship the next day. And that goes to show a good person that they're not just following her because they'll, that those, her and those dragons will destroy them. They're following her because they believe in her. There's no reason for them people to be with her. And they're with her because they believe in her. And that, that conversation to me is such a game changer. I, 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 don't, I, I don't know how many people picked up on that. I don't know yeah, how you feel about that. Massive. Or, or gags. Totally agree. Um, I think it, it, it was great to see that you know, something that some of the wiser characters, I think Jorah's hinted at this before, and Davos as well, that to a lot of people, you know, other than the people with the power, the, the, the sort of little people, the people that, who, who don't have these family names and don't have castles, things like who your father was or whatever doesn't really matter. It's about what you're really like. And that's what Missande said. She couldn't care less who her father was or who her ancestors were. She's judging her on how she is as a person and how she, how she treats people. And that was just the exact type of thing that would get John on side because as Davos pointed out, you know, unbeknownst to him, obviously we know there's much more to John's story than Davos knows. But at the current point in time, as far as Davos is concerned, John doesn't have any any of that stuff because he's a bastard, and it was so good that John for John to see that she was recognised like him purely on the merit, or mostly on the merits of who she is rather than her lineage. And I also like the fact that they they took Tyrion's advice. I think Tyrion said in the last episode to John, 
you know, ask about, ask the other people what they think of her. And that's exactly what they did. And, you know, in terms of it, it was a great sort of, not don't know the right way for it, but it kind of like a, re, a character reference provided by Masande, wasn't it? You know, it was exactly the type of thing that would resonate with John and it was great to see. Now, whilst you're talking about things turning John's mind, the Dragonglass scene was really important inside the mountain because that yeah. kind of turned the other way where where Khaleesi now believes him, you know, Daenerys now That's believes right. him because he couldn't have drawn those or carved them into the wall mm-hmm. in 10 seconds, you know, or whatever, one day or three mm-hmm. months. Remember, we have this problem about fucking timescales in this show. But whatever time they've been there, he couldn't have done that really quick, you know. So she's looking at her going, oh, my God. And you can see on her face that she believes this. And she's like, you know, the people, the first people they stood here or whatever. And... um but she's got the obsessions of bending the fucking knee, Joey. Everything is bend the fucking knee, bitch. <laughs> yep. Yeah, she does. And I, I don't, I understand. She still has that, like, um, she, that, like, she, you could call it a power trip, but I think she's, I think she's kind of get getting away from that. And we already talked about the scene when, you know, she's listening, not listening to the Tyrion anymore. And Joe spoke about it already when she listens to Jon Snow. You know, she doesn't do that. And then she goes and attacks the shit out of that Lannister army. But I think he will bend the knee. I don't think there's any, there's no, what does she say to him? Does it, is it, is it worth your people's lives to not yeah. bend the knee over pride? Damn right. Like that, that's, that's just stupid. And that's not, I don't think John has the problem. I think it's on behalf of everybody he speaks for. They would have the issue. But if they, if, if she can just show them, some sort of goodwill or look, look what she could do for us. She destroyed a whole Lannister army by herself. Look how she could help us fight against a common enemy of everybody. I, I would like, um, okay. So next week he comes face to face with a dragon, John. So I've seen this in, a, in, in the trailer. It's only a few seconds, too. but, but, yeah. but I have a feeling he bends the knee. If she gives him a dragon, and that's how he flies back because he's in Winterfell very fast next week. So maybe he flies back with Davos on a dragon. Who knows? But that would really give the North, um, you know, they would they would bend the knee. They would, as as in say, you know, she's giving me something mm-hmm. here. Um, well, he's a he's a Targaryen. Exactly, remember, he's, but no one knows this. Remember, and and that's the thing. And do you remember? And this goes back to my theory about Tyrion. Tyrion is a Targaryen too, I believe. Me because too. I spoke about that's, this on a pod or two before. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, that, because the one that, that dragon didn't kill him when he came face to face with him. He could have ate him. Remember when he? Yeah, I <laughs> said the same thing. Oh, I don't remember. I, my bad. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I, I, it doesn't matter. You probably didn't listen to the first episode. Um, I think Joe, uh, Stu also believes this. This is true as well. This this theory. We we had this discussion. Basically, the three dragons for three Targaryens. That's what we thought. And that's uh, exactly. We believe that John and. Um, and uh, Tyrion are the other two. So it, it, it could be true. And it, if it does, that would be fucking exciting. So, ex- <laughs> so fucking and, exciting. And so convoluted too. So Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, we're just, we're fans and fans theories on this show is pretty much what makes it what it is because anything could happen. And you're never disappointed either with a twist or a turn. You actually go, mm-hmm. I wish I'd thought of that one. You know, <laughs> you know, yeah. but um, let's move on because the Dragonglass stuff, John, all that stuff's good. Next week should be really interesting. But 
Let's Can move. I say one thing, guys? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Sorry, mate. Uh, sorry to keep interrupting. I'll just I'll keep myself if I don't say this. Another key thing about that sort of conversation they had about bending the knee, it it mirrored John's own conversation with Mansrader. It was John's own advice to Mansrader. He basically Mansrader said, "I can't bend the knee because my people won't bend the knee for anything, and neither will I." And John basically said to him. What's more important, your pride or the people's lives? And Mance obviously chose to go ahead and be put to death rather than bend the knee. And I think obviously she's essentially used John's own sort of logic on himself. And I agree like Joey and like yourself by the sound of it, that he will, he will bend the knee because he does care more about his people. And also, an interesting thing as well, if they both have claims to to, to a throne in the end, Daenerys, her whole life has wanted to be the queen. John has never wanted it, and I don't think he wants it now. He's just doing it for the good of his people. So I think if he sees there's someone better than him who actually wants that role, I think he'd then bend the knee. But going back to what you said earlier, I think that's another factor that may cause a a, 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 a gap to come between him and Sansa because Littlefinger will be working on that and I think Sansa has more suspicion from what she said when he said he was going to meet Daenerys so that'll be interesting to see how that plays out yeah, I wanted to make a point on when you said that he, does, he doesn't care about the king, being the king. When Davos said, tries to introduce him, he goes, this is, uh, she goes, Lord Snow. And he goes, wait up, it's King Snow. Oh, that don't sound right. It's King John. And then he goes, you know what? It doesn't matter, mate. Just leave it. It just shows this. He is, I know people keep calling him depressing at the moment. But folks, he has got one fucking thing on his mind. The Night King. He has yep. faced him. He has faced the biggest foe in this show. I don't care what people say about Cersei and Euron or whichever fucker of the dragons. That guy is the killer. He is yeah. the big villain. There's no one bigger than him and his cronies and the Night Walk, uh, the White Walkers. So you know that's why he's depressed because he and he's been put, he's, he's been put to death. He's been put to death as well. You know he's put yeah, yeah. being dead. He's confused. That, that, that's, He's, he's still been, confused. He, uh, he's been through a lot. <laughs> and then wait till he finds yeah. out he's Targaryen and see what the fuck happens to him then. Yeah. But, yeah. I, I, I mean, I suppose he'll get a bit of relief to know who his mother and father were, I suppose. But still, thinking you're a Stark your whole life and then fucking hell. What the fuck happened here? But right, let's move on because there's nothing else left to talk about apart from that final scene, I feel. Agreed, guys? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So... I mean, it all starts with that funny bit where you, you mentioned it right at the start of the show. The show uh, Dick Joey, Dick, he goes, he goes, charges up. They go up to, they go up to Junior, Tarly Junior, I call him. And then he goes, uh, Lord, Lord, um, what does he call him? Is it Lord James? No, no, no. Oh, yeah. he, he goes, Lord James, uh, what, my Lord, me Lord. That's what he calls him. And then he goes, <laughs> he goes, Rickon. Rickon is, remind me who Rickon actually was. He was a Stark, right? The boy. Oh, Rickon was the kid. That's right. Rickon was the kid. Yeah, he's the, the youngest one that um, the bastard killed. Um, yes. Yeah, so right. So he calls him Rickon again, and he goes, Dickon. And the fucking... You know what? I actually laugh louder than Bron. So, I, uh, oh, so my God. Like, there is no... That is, that is the beauty of Bron. One of the... 
He's got such a small part, right? He gets a couple of minutes a show, but he fucking nails every yeah. second. He is that uh-huh. fucking good. But so childish, but so fucking brilliant. And Jamie gives him a look and he shuts up. <laughs> but the best thing is, I mean, the, the important part of the scene was that Dickon is so inexperienced. That was his first war. He beat, he killed people that were people that he'd hunted with. And then he, his friends, his friends, they shot themselves when they died and all this. But, but Bron, even though he's such a fucking funny bastard, he's the one that's got the, 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 the knowledge or the ears, you know, what do you call it? The senses. The mouse. This, yeah. He yeah. sensed, he could hear them. He's a survivor. No one else could hear it. He did, and he immediately changed from that joker twat to I'm on I'm on now. I'm right in mode now. Jamie, they're coming, something's happening. And before they even saw the dragon guys, and by the way, how beautiful did that look, that scenery behind the, oh, the mountains? Yeah. Oh, just... High garden, yes, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely beautiful. They nailed it. They absolutely mm-hmm. nailed the setting. You were like, I could go there and camp out for a bit. In front of that. Oh yeah, you, you know what I mean. There was water as well. You'd be fine. Swim for a bit. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm still in. I'm still in Algarve mode. Um, Game for a swim. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. But but the, the guy, the guards, they were shitting themselves just when they saw Dothraki. Fuck yeah. the dragon. But the facial expressions. When the dragon turns up, and Jamie at that point was like, nah, we'll hold him, Bron. And he's like, no, we won't. Yeah, we'll hold him. And then there comes Daenerys on a dragon. Remember, none of these people have ever seen a dragon. The first time they're at war with a dragon. Right? The facial expressions were brilliant, Joey. Oh, my brilliant. gosh. I, she rides it on Drogon, which was just... I, it's hard to put into words when the when he breathes that initial fire and people are just turning to ashes like that. And it, the, the best part of it for me was I loved seeing the dragon. I loved I loved her retaliation. But the best part of me was Jamie Lannister just looking around and going, "What the fuck just happened yeah. to my mm-hmm. army?" And he they are the just whole in, fifteen minutes. He just it's it's literally him on his white horse just turning in circles. And he and he's just he's dumbfounded at what he's looking at. It's it's just amazing. And the Dothraki army, who were so freaking tough, that they're just like savages, you know, for the lack of a better word. I hate to I hate to use that word, but they kind of treat them like American Indians. How they you know the same sounds. They're on the horses, and they can just fight. Man, that that Lannister army never had a chance. No, never had a chance. No. Joe Dracaris. That wonderful sound just before the fire. That's been happening since season two or three. That, that, that you know it's coming. They set you, build it up. The excitement comes. Oh man, I loved it. The body's burning. We're quite sick to love that seeing that. But how many people and extras were like stuntmen went on fire in this? It must be like a record of people being set Aww. on fire. And also, the Dothraki were immediately behind enemy lines, and the massacre begun. 
unbelievable action of Dothrakis as well. Jumping onto horses, shooting arrows. Wow. Just fucking wow. What a great war scene. That's the oh. real first time we've seen the Dothrakis go mental as well. And the harvest gone. She, she, did you see her, her facial expression? She, she turned the dragon around and said, right, I'm not killing people. I'm just attacking your food. I, yeah. you guys are going hungry in King's Landing. Fuck you. Yeah. I mean, the gold was gone, so that's out of the question, uh, like uh, Joey said at the start. But, oh my god. And, like, also, the arrows had no effect on him, on Drogon. He just yeah. lifted his chest oh, up. Oh, it bounced right off. But, yeah, it was beautiful. But, yeah. I'm going to ask you, Joe. The Scorpion is what he was calling. Either Scorpio or Scorpion. Couldn't quite get it. I rewound it and tried to listen in a few times. Seen Scorpion to me is what he said. Uh, um, I think so, yeah. But it was such a great scene because Jamie, who's struggling, by the way, in the war because he's fighting with his left hand, had to get saved by Dickon. So there's going to be something there in the next episode where, mm-hmm. you know, if Dickon fucking survives, that is, that Jamie owes him his life as well now. Um, but Bron, that, that little bit of Bron's life on the line, I'm sorry, I know he's a minor character, but my heart was fucking racing. Yeah, same here, same here. Uh, I've got, I've got to say before I comment on that, it was so good as well to, like you, you both said that the choreography of, 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 of all the different characters and the horses and, and the cinematography, everything about the scene was, was just stunning. And I, I love the fact always in this show, one of my favorite things is callbacks. And obviously it mentioned the, in a previous episode, that Randall Tarley was one of the only men who beat Robert Baratheon in a battle with with his army. And in an earlier episode in season one, I think Robert Baratheon himself was talking about killing people. And he said, the, I think he said the first person he killed was some Tarley lad. And I, and I love the way everything links in. And he even mentioned said something like, they don't tell you about the way they shit themselves. And then this episode mentions it as well and everything links in but the 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 key thing it reminded me of was he said to Cersei in an earlier episode didn't he He said you'd have to be a fool to face a Dothraki horde in an open field and that's what they ended up doing but not not only that but they facing a Dothraki horde yet they were ambushed not only a, a, a Dothraki horde in an open field but a Dothraki horde as you said backed up with a dragon that's it's such a fearsome creature anyway even when you know what it can do but when you've never seen one before and as you say as well as the size that noise that noise imagine the fear if you heard that noise and then saw people turn to ashes it, it you know as as a propaganda weapon if any of them people get back to king's landing and say what they've seen can you imagine trying to motivate soldiers to go to war against something like that? Just, just, you, it, it, it's hard to believe anyone could do it. And it's just so, so good. And back to your actual question about the scorpion. One of the things I liked about that was obviously we can debate what exactly his motivations were, but he might be playing the long game for greater riches, but equally Bron left the money to do the heroic thing, whereas in the past he's always been a pure pragmatist, you know, he really liked Tyrion, but he wouldn't fight the mountain for him because what are the odds on him winning, why risk it, you know, in this he went toe-to-toe, or, you know, played chicken essentially with the dragon and won because he 
I think because part of him just wanted to do what he felt was right. Obviously, it could be because he just sees it as a way of getting greater money further down the line. But I don't think the Bron in earlier seasons would have risked so much. And as he left that money behind on the battlefield and went to do what he felt was the right thing. And it was just a, a great change to, you know, clearly one of our favourite characters. I disagree a little bit. I mean, the question was mm-hmm. about the, the chase, really, of him getting to that. But I'll come back to that with Joe, uh, with Joey, sorry. I, I thought this was survivor mode kicked on, mm-hmm. kicked into gear because he knew that he isn't getting out of this war. Without survive, like he has to be mm-hmm. at his fucking best. The money is now. What's the point of it? Because there's a fucking dragon facing me. You know, yeah. he's got to be in survival mode. There's no. Th- the only thing he can do is fight. That's the best thing he's. You know, that's what he's best at. Joe, Joey, what I was asking Joe was the chase. You know, the Dothraki chasing him. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. the bit that was nervous because you've just seen Jamie, who you think's gonna die. And he's saved by Dickon, and your heart's racing already. But then Bron, for that horse getting chopped, wow! Oh, awful! Yeah, it was just disgusting. And it's funny because the Dothraki, like, um, it's kind of like their sacred animal is the horse. For so for them to do that was kind of shocking to me. And then you know, Bron, the way he kills him is really cool. But uh, before I go on any further, there, Joe, I don't know. Did you read any of the our uh, George R. R. Martin's novella, The Princess and the Queen? No. He there's a there's a passage if you guys don't mind me. It's I'll read it quickly. And Tyrion says yes, it. He says, so "Unless one of these iron, and they are scorpions, because he says unless mm-hmm. one of these long iron scorpion bolts hit them in the eye, the queen's pet monster is not going to be brought down by such toys. Dragons are not so easy to kill as that. Tickle them mm-hmm. with these, and you only make them angry. The eyes where a dragon was most vulnerable. The eyes." and the brain behind them, not the underbelly. The scales there were just as tough, and not down the gull either. That was madness. So basically, he's saying death comes out of a dragon's mouth, but death also goes in that way as well. Yep, and that's exactly what Keyburn or Kyburn showed the queen when he That's exactly right. Exactly. So, Mm -hmm. obviously, to get that, I mean, you know what this reminded me of? Obviously, so once Bronze survived, then you're shitting it that you don't want the dragon or Daenerys to die. So they were shifting, like, and they were talking about people shitting themselves, and you're shitting yourself as a fucking viewer. So, like, it's all tied together beautifully. Like, the episode is like, yeah, we're all shitting ourselves, get on with it. But you know what this reminded me of? And I don't know if you read my notes, but this reminded me of Jaws. When Schneider oh, yeah. is fucking like, got, oh, yeah. you, know, you know, and he's trying to get it in his mouth, and he's like, "Motherfucker, smile, you son of a bitch! Come on, you son of a bitch!" And yeah, he's doing the smile, same thing. I'm sorry, but Jaws, uh, growing up, was one of my favorite films, like to watch. I don't know why or whatever, but I really enjoyed it. And it first thing that came in my mind was, "I've seen this somewhere," and it was Jaws, and I was like, "Oh my god, I love this scene even more now," <laughs> because it just took me back to my childhood, and I don't know how many people saw that. But I did, and I loved it with Bron. And then, when he actually hits Drogon, and I actually fear that he's dead, he fucking basically just drops down right in front of him and goes, right, I'm going to fucking blow you past. Yeah, destroys that scorpion. Yeah, he destroys the scorpion. I hope, I really hope that... They build a, and I spoke to Joey about this earlier in WhatsApp, that they build a, some kind of a, a, a dragon, um, 
what do you call it, armor for the dragons so that it can't get hurt anymore. But yeah, that's something for future. We'll do predictions in a bit. But Gags, can I just say? Go on. I thought I was geeky until I heard that then. That's brilliant. What about the, the dragon armor? Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, the type yeah. of thing I think about. <laughs> yeah, mate, I'm fucking thinking about things like crazy. I've watched it like five yeah, yeah. times, the episode, because I really wanted to pick up on things that, that come across as, you know, that you're passionate about this show. And mm-hmm. I just think when he's then down, and obviously he's blown up Scorpion and uh, Bron, while he's on the floor, by the way, looks up and they cut to a a white horse, and I'll tell you why it's very important in a minute. Um, Joey, let's go back to you. This scene now with Tyrion commentating is p- possibly the the most favorite, my most favorite scene of this episode because I see a brother who loves, you know, yeah. n- you know, his queen, but also loves, you know, someone who saved his life. His brother saved his life. Jamie yeah, Jamie's yeah. the only one he loves. I mean, he doesn't like any of his family but Jamie. And just just run me through how he's swearing at him and just such a good scene because you know what also it gave me parallels of? She had her back turned and he was going at her with a spear just like he was going at his her dad with a sword. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good point. And you don't see Tyrion until towards the end of the battle. He shows up on the hill where the Dothraki finally says to him, your people can't fight, which is <laughs> hysterical. But he, he finally spots Jamie and he says, run, you idiot. And then because he, he's basically looking for him, kind of trying to see what's going on because he knows he's there. And then he sees him go for the spear and he's like, run. and then again, he goes, run, you fucking idiot. And it's such a great buildup because I that to me and I, I brought this up to gags right before we hopped on, Joe. I don't know if you've ever read Don Quixote. No. that. That reminded me, Don Quixote is a famous novel, and in that, he, it's the whole point of the book is acts of chivalry and how they're dead. So this guy comes out to, he goes kind of insane reading romance novels, and he decides to revive chivalry. So I looked at that as Jamie picking up that, you know, he loves his sister so much that he mm-hmm. would take on that dragon. He knows that dragon's not hurt that bad. He just mm-hmm. wanted to kill Daenerys for his sister. So in Don Quixote, he dies at the end. So I'm thinking, oh, shit, this dragon's going to kill him. But as Gags alluded to, that white horse is the key there. That, to me, is Bronn jumping off, saving him into the water. And then you see the horses just get blazed on fire, which is really cool looking, actually. So Yeah, I mean. (laughs) And then basically cut to black. Yeah, I mean, the the buildup, though, of him running at her. And then she turns around. And then Drogon is just like, um, you ain't touching my mom. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it, and I don't know if we were all the same. It sounds like we were. It's so weird to be watching a show, as you always say, guys, with the shades of grey and stuff, where there's a battle reaching its climax and you don't want any of these characters to die. You know, it, it, and it's not like, say, totally agree. in a Avenger, you know, Captain America Civil War scenario where people are pulling punches and things for the most part. You know, these are all trying to kill each other. And you don't want any of them to succeed because to some degree you like all the characters in, in this setting anyway. You know, you like them or at least love watching them. And it's, 
it was just such a weird feeling. You know, I'm, I'm seeing Jamie charge. I don't want him to. I don't want him to kill Daenerys. I don't want him to harm the dragon, even though it's unlikely he'd do much damage with it. But equally, I don't want him to to be killed either. And it's such a weird feeling, you know, to to ha- to be sort of on the edge as to what's going to happen. Almost anything that happens, you won't be happy with, other than as a viewer enjoying, you know, brilliance really. But no, it's just just fascinating and just a great way to end a, a perfect episode. So. My question to you then, Joey, after a nice summation there from Joe, is, well, are Bronn and Jamie dead? Or do you think they're captured? Because we're moving on into what you think happens next. So this segment, let's let's start with you, Joey. What do you think? Um, I definitely don't think they're dead. I, I would be really upset if Jamie and Bronn were dead at this point because I, I do really like the characters. Like Joe was saying, you have affiliation and a love for all of them because you've spent and invested all this time in them. But I think it makes more sense for Daenerys to take them as prisoners, just as Cersei had took, taken the lead sand snake and, um, Greyjoy. Yeah. Ilaria and Yara. Yeah. Yeah. That would make more sense to me. Yeah. They um, want to do a swap, right? What's that? Do a swap, get them back. Yeah. You could, you could certainly do that, but you could certainly make a bigger case that Jamie's more of, a. Uh, probably oh, worth more than those other two, you know, oh God, yeah. because clearly Cersei loves them. But um, for the future, it's re- it just, and it's one of the things I love about the show is it's so hard to predict. And they're out of book material, which is at first I wasn't sure how I'd feel about that. But now I love it because they have free reign with George R. R. Martin. But I do think and I don't want them to, but I do feel that those dragons will die. Um, I don't know when. Maybe you'll see one of them die before the end of the season. But so you got to remember that dragons were around for a long time and man knows how to kill them. So it's not as if, you know, they may not have seen them for a long time. They haven't been around for a thousand years or so, but they do know how to kill them. And you got to just think of from a logical standpoint, if she has three dragons with Dothraki army, who can really in theory beat her? I mean, are the white walkers possibly, but if her and John end up teaming up, then they probably beat them. So I, th- I do think in the future, that they will die, if not all of them, then certainly if one or two of them. I agree. I think they. I think you know what to build. The end of this season, there's going to be a few deaths because they've got to build on it. They've got to pull at your heartstrings. This is what this show does. There's going to be a surprise, and their Drogon dying would would hurt. Would really yeah, would. hurt. You know, everybody. I think because he's the one everyone gets excited about, right? And then the other mm-hmm. two haven't had really much of a push, should we say, they'd probably get a bit more. Um, So I I just think there's got to be something that happens. Also a a big, maybe another start goes, I don't know. Um, John, they've brought back. Could they really kill him again? (laughs) So uh, I don't know. It's gotta be, something's going to happen. Something's going to, going to go. You know what? Right now, losing any of the main cast would hurt apart from Sansa, I think. Uh, <laughs> I'd get enjoy. I'd probably enjoy seeing little finger finger die. So that that probably doesn't count. <laughs> but um, Joe, I'm going to come to you with this because this is a really interesting one. Tyrion, do he's been treated pretty poorly the last two episodes. Um, his um, his tactics have been called upon. You know, as in like they've been they've been uh-huh. put down. There's a return coming. Jorah is coming back. Mm-hmm. And to me, 
he is the rightful hand to to Daenerys for me. Um, he loves mm-hmm. her. He's he's protected her from the start. I can I can kind of see a demotion come in. Could you see Tyrion turn on Daenerys? Um, I think Jorah will probably come back, not necessarily as the hand, although that could could well happen, as you suggest, but definitely as a a trusted advisor, particularly militarily. Obviously, he's got a hell of a lot of experience in that area, whereas Tyrion has had a couple of battles he's been involved in, and obviously Blackwater, obviously, part of that strategy heavily came from him and was very successful, but obviously, as we've said, he's had a couple of really bad really bad weeks or months, however the timeline goes in the, in the show recently. But I think, I think essentially Tyrion will recognize, although he has, you know, had a strip torn off him, so to speak, by Daenerys compared to a lot of the other leaders that have been in the show. If the advice had been so costly to a lot of those other leaders, he may not even be alive now. Because his advice has seen them lose whole kingdoms and whole, you know, almost the, their entire fleet, you know, a major part of it. Extremely, uh, all the gold of High Garden, you know, all the, the majority of the food from High Garden. Obviously, most of it's now been destroyed. So these are extremely, extremely damaging errors. And although she has been angry with them, I think. That that was deserved because it has proved so costly. But I still think she's gave him a a lot of respect and trust since she's known him, and I think he will always value that. So I don't see him turning now. Joey, similar answer for you? Yeah, I, I would be shocked if he did that, just because he does. He hates her. You know, they've never got along. I mean, the only way I could possibly see that happening is if Jamie somehow got him back on the other side. Um, but I can actually see Jamie dying before any of them because I think that would really kickstart. If Jamie dies at the end of this season, that would really kickstart a big time war between them two. If, if there's, I mean, there's one there now, but if you kill Jamie, seriously, she basically has nothing to live for, does she? Cause she's got no kids left. All she has is Jamie. So I, I just can't see Terry and Ted on that. No, I just can't. Okay. Great. So the, the next question then, and I know we're going over time a little bit, sorry, but this is really interesting. <laughs> um, oh, God. If Tyrion doesn't turn, you guys are saying, well, how many episodes are left? There's what? Maximum of 10 left? Mm-hmm. Something like 12, 10, 11? Something like that. I think that. it's 10, yeah. Right. Something like that. The war, for me, happens in this season with, with Cersei. Not next yeah. season. So the deaths have yeah. got to happen soon because I reckon the last season is all White Walker. Is all the, it's got to be the war with the White Walkers because we're not seeing enough of them. Uh, <laughs> so, so what happens next? And I mean, we've got, what are we, four in? How many are there? Eight in this one. So f- we're halfway through this season. Uh, is there I think eight there or may seven? only be seven. So we're, only seven. Oh, so yeah. we've only got three left. But so, I believe the last one's almost two hours, I believe, because they timed well, them out. Did you notice the timing on them? This is only 50 minutes, I'm sure. Yeah, you got to look. There's something. I don't want to ruin it, but maybe if I get on another pod. It's a theory, but just I don't want to say it now because it's mm-hmm. late into the pod. Just do it. No, no, no. I don't have the time. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. So basically, uh, what do you expect to happen, Joey, quickly? Just um, what's going you know, the next couple of episodes – do you, do, you, do you see that war? 
Uh, I do. I think you're absolutely right there. I think the White Walkers is going to be the last season. It makes too much sense. Um, and I think you're going to see whoever wins between Cersei's side and Danny's side because there's really nothing else there. Everything else is kind of in limbo, so to speak. You know, what Sansa can't do anything. Littlefinger really can't do anything. It's them two, and that's what it's heading to. I think you're right dead on there. Okay. And Joe, finally, any prediction from yourself? Yeah, pretty much the same. I think, uh, obviously, it looks like uh, the Golden Company is going to come into it. But I think uh, a key thing that happened, I think there was a little bit of complacency in terms of, on Daenerys' side, all their concerns were about, well, Daenerys could get shot by an arrow. I think now they're all aware that even the dragons are vulnerable with the, with the scorpion in, in play or potentially more scorpions in play. So I think now they'll be a bit more wise about how and when to use the dragons. And I think that will, that, that'll be key. Cause I think really the only realistic way I could see Cersei winning the battle was if they surprised the dragons with these scorpions, if they attacked King's Landing. And I think now they'll be much wiser on the nearest side and know that they're vulnerable too. So I think that gives them even more of an edge now. Great. Can I, can I say one more thing, guys? Mm-hmm. I, I just wanted to say, I think, I think Arya is the one who kills Cersei. I hope so. She deserves so. to. Because she yeah, wanted to kill Joffrey, so she gets to kill his, his mum, which would be nice. Either Arya or Jamie, because ooh, I think Jamie ooh. may do it in the same Fast way point. that he had to do kill the Mad King, because I think there's a fair chance Cersei could go even madder than she already is. And I think Jamie's shown on a number of occasions, obviously, he does have a dark side and he's done some really bad acts, but ultimately, He's not like Cersei. He, he didn't like it when Elena was telling him about the bad things she did. He, he really did not like hearing that. And I think if Cersei goes too far, he might be a queen slayer after being the king slayer. Ooh, <laughs> that's a great point. <laughs> we didn't mention Theon and John. It'll be interesting to see next week if um, you know anything develops in there. I did want him to punch him in the face, but oh well. I don't think it was that much of an important uh, scene, to be honest. But anyway, we'll be back. Thank you so much, Joey and Joe. That was fantastic. The longest one we've done, but this episode <laughs> deserved it. Um, we will be back next week with the next one with some more guests. And um, thank you so much for listening. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.